Hello, hello. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Kilroy. Hi, hi, he. Undressed, Andrew. Hey, Nan, farm folk. Hi, Zia. Thanks for joining. We'll get started in a few minutes. Waiting for some more folks to join. Hey, don't hate, celebrate. Hey, Antonio. HS. All right, we'll get started in a few folks on the stage who are speaking. see if we have everybody here. So I know we have Byron Burt and we have Captain Alchemist. Is everybody here? You can just raise your hand. Let's see. Perfect. Awesome. So we'll go ahead and kick it off. Uh, thanks to everybody who joined in. Um, welcome to NFTs for Good. We are a weekly Twitter spaces that's all about highlighting the builders and the founders in the NFT and Web3 space. We host this at least once every week. And this week, we're actually doing it twice this week. So we have another show on Thursday. Um, but we have so many great uh, projects and initiatives and, and founders that we had to squeeze into this week. Um, but you can check out the, the schedule on our website at www.bluestudios.io backslash NFTs dash for dash good. Now, we know there are tons of stories that always come out that talk about some of the not so great aspects of the DeFi, Web3, and crypto and NFTs. But over here, we believe if we keep talking about the positive aspects about how the people behind these projects and movements are trying to make the world a better place by building utility with Web3 technology, that we can truly elevate this conversation. So with this show and subsequent shows that we do, we'll continue to highlight the people and founders that also include a social good component in what they're building. And we hope two good things can happen from this conversation. One, we hope you get to connect with another founder and their courageous journey of going from idea to building in public, and also be inspired by their stories and know that there are some really awesome people out here building this new internet. Again, you can check out our upcoming shows and sign up for updates at www.bluestudios.io backslash NFTs dash for dash good. And quick disclaimer that all opinions of guests or hosts may not reflect the views of Blue Studios or its hosts. This Twitter space is for informational purposes only. 
and then the opinions by the show of or by the host or panelists can be considered investment advice. Please do your own research, be safe, and make sure you talk to any security and investment advisors before um, for more information on how NFTs and crypto fits into your collectible and ownership portfolio. Now, this show is being recorded so we can have it on the website and other places to promote future shows. And just so you know, we have all of our past episodes live on the major podcasting platforms. So just search for NFTs for Good on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Um, quick intro before we do a quick intro of our, our guest today. Um, I'm Kelly. I'm founder of Blue Studios. We built a community around education, family, and Web3. And we truly believe in redefining what families can do together. Um, I'm a third generation entrepreneur on both sides of my family. And so I believe that in the power and the power of what happens when families come together around a shared goal. And we want to make sure using Web3 technology, families can invest, plan and earn together in a way that's accessible for everyone. And a big part of what we do is around coming up with an innovative approach to educating and inspiring families to learn together, but also to onboard more families in a safe way to Web3. Super happy to be here today. Um, I'm excited to jump in with the, with the guests. And a big reason why it's important for us to do this show and highlight the stories and people behind the DeFi um, you know, and Web3 movement is because, you know, what we're doing in this space is fast paced. It's 24 um, seven. And so sometimes we can't really slow down and dig deep. And so that's why I'm excited to do that with the farm folk that we have here today. Um, with that, I'll pass it on to the farm folk account. Um, so we can intro Byron and Bert. And then we'll and then also Captain Alchemist, obviously, just do a quick intro because we'll we're going to dig into your origin stories. <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. Hi. Uh, thanks for thanks for having us on. We're really excited to be here tonight. I'm I'm Byron. I'm Bert. And uh, Cap is our beloved project manager and marriage counselor. <laughs> That's a whole different story. <laughs> he picked the second hat. I don't. He just was like, "I'm going to do this for you guys." Now. <laughs> All right, uh, Captain Alchemist, come on and say hi. Good evening, everybody. I am. I did not choose that title. It was bestowed upon me, even though Byron said it was my decision. It was not. I'm uh, been in Web three for quite a while now, and this is the first project where I've done um, any type of management on, and uh, one that I think everybody listening right now will truly appreciate here in a few minutes. Love it, love it. So we'll go ahead and dive right in. So let's talk about the origin story of Farm Folk. So. How did you get started in Web3, um, in farming, and also what inspired you to go from, hey, I'm fascinated in this space to I'm dedicating myself 24-7 to making this happen? So in 2019, I was working on a restaurant. We both have uh, back professional backgrounds in the, the upscale hospitality, fine dining. Really the only thing I've ever done it's pretty much the only thing either of us have ever done restaurants yeah in one way shape or form uh so i was working on a project um in 2019 2018 2019 uh it was gonna be a plant-based menu and you know high-end avant-garde weirdo stuff and uh i was new for our city 
I was very actively uh, recruiting uh, Bert here to run the run the show for us. And at the same time, we were looking to partner. You know, we were kind of like reaching out to our local network of of farmers and market gardeners, and we wanted someone to partner with us and kind of you you tell us what's on the menu based on what's available on your farm. You grow whatever you want. We'll have to figure out how to turn it into a dish on the menu. And all of those farmers were like, wow, that's really cool. Like, oh, like Alice Waters. That sounds great. I'd love to do that. But you don't exist yet. So call me after you've been open for a year and then we'll talk. And then my mother, uh, who's in the room, Nan, Nan. down there. Hi, mom. Uh, found a property. Um, she's a real estate agent and she, she I found the perfect thing. And it's it, getting into small market gardening and that part of the hospitality food chain is something that's kind of been a dream for, of mine for a long time. Um, I specifically have a, a wine background in, in the restaurant business. And there's a kind of a point in a sommelier career where you stop caring about like the wine that's in the bottle as much as you're like, what, what do you mean dirt did that to that grape? And that's why it tastes like, so I kind of fell down that rabbit hole and I'd wanted to get into this, this side of things for a long time. She found the perfect spot. We bought it. And uh, I went to chef at the restaurant and I was like, Hey, I, we're going to get this land. We'll just hire a farmer and do it at my house and we'll do it through the restaurant like that. And again, we were very aggressively recruiting uh, Bert to run the show for us, which he was totally going to do. Mm. Um, and then didn't agree to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the pandemic <laughs> happened, which is like everybody's story right now. And then, you know, pandemic happened and, you know, Brittany and I started, stopped talking about, how to run a restaurant together and started talking about maybe if we were going to smooch and then we did and now we're engaged and <laughs> and we had a lot of conversations about food and like food chains and just you know everybody's got a story for what lockdown was like and, and ours was ours was talking about sustainability and um you know how to get out of the restaurant business finally and so here we are uh it was a real eye-opener on a lot of different um levels uh as a restaurateur um, or anyone in the service industry, you lost your job and you didn't know when you were going to work again. Um, it was pretty frightening and bartenders and servers have never really felt job insecurity because, you know, restaurants and bars are always high priorities for people's entertainment. And we, I can speak for myself as a bartender server, that um, that was the first time I had ever experienced any sort of fear of job insecurity. Um, we've always had the mindset of being like, well, I can move wherever and do this and I can do, you know, I'll always be able to bartend. Um, my career path ended up in systems and operations. Um, but I always had a passion for food. Uh, I took up a hobby of food photography. So any of the companies that I worked for, I would always volunteer my services uh, just because I loved photog photography and food photography. And it, it was just a nice um, bridge there. And then, yeah, in 2020, we started talking about sustainability because it was really eye-opening on that other level of being like, well, if this is what can happen, 
people should really be focusing on growing food and everyone should know how to grow food and you have much more time to deep dive. We had much more time in 2020 to deep dive in, learn so much stuff. So here we are. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the kind of the, the Genesis story for the farm. And then at the end of last summer, my little brother, uh, who's also in the room, uh, Ben Exit, there with his little Sal Bones PFP, uh, came up to Cincinnati, where the, where our farm is, and to help me uh, build a fence. And he wouldn't shut up about NFTs and JPEGs. And I, I was like, what? the whole family were like, what are you talking about, man? And then by Thanksgiving, they came back up with the family for Thanksgiving. You know, we did the whole family family dinner thing. And then after the kids were all in bed, cracked a couple bottles of wine. He was like, all right, listen, here's how it really works. Did it in... You know, he kind of like, I, I, that's the moment that he onboarded us and the light bulb went on. And it kind of started as just a way to like, hey, the way the NFT world is right now, you guys could sell a couple NFTs. We do something kind of fun. And, you know, it would give you a little bit more runway to keep operating this farm and figuring out how to be farmers. Um, you know, because we, we took this field that was just a, a dead, old, completely compacted you know, sunburnt field and we built everything we've got now, thousands of square feet of, of regenerative agriculture, all the other outbuildings and, and infrastructure that we've put in place over the last couple of years. We, we do it all ourselves with the help of like friends and family. Um, so he's like, this could get, this could make life a little easier for you guys. You're not gonna have to like kill yourself to sell a million carrots this year. And he shipped back off to with his family back home and we got to talking and we came up with the idea for this project, which, you know, wasn't something we thought we were going to do, but, and we can, we can get into a little bit more about what the project is, but, um, you know, we brought the idea to Ben. He was like, this is amazing. He was like, the space really needs something that's got some authenticity. That's real. Uh, you guys are already a real farm and you're going to leverage NFTs to help your farm instead of these, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, NFT projects are like, oh, buy the, buy the NFT and then we're going to do this. And he was like, you're uniquely positioned because you already have the farm. So you guys are going to have a little bit of a backwards approach. And it's, it's been working well for us and we're having an absolute blast. And we've, we've uh, decided not to, um, we forego our, our traditional business model here on the farm is community supported agriculture, where we basically sell memberships. Um, you know, you pay for a share of, of the production of the farm. You also accept that equivalent share of the risk of this kind of farming that we have a hailstorm and, you, you know, whatever. And uh, so we haven't signed up uh, any members to the farm this year. We're, we're whole hog in the NFT space and we've been having a blast with it. I would say after Thanksgiving by January, we were onboarded with Twitter personalities, MetaMask, and just <laughs> following Ben's advice, basically. <laughs> so we... We dove head first. I love it. I love um, I love this family story. You know, we're all about families and families onboarding each other. Blue Studio is so glad. Nan, farm folk is here, mom and brother. I think this is amazing. Um, and, you know, want to just thank uh, Bennett for joining as well and, um, you know, bring, sending farm folk our way so they could be on the show. Um, so I'd love to get into what is regenerative farming just for generative farming, just for folks who may not know, you know, what is it? And like, why is that important? Um, 
okay, I'll try to keep this concise, which I'm admittedly not very good at. Um, so like USDA organic certification for a farm means some things, but you know, if your neighbor is, <clears throat> if your neighbor is spraying and his spray gets into your farm, is it really organic? There's not a whole lot of like parameters. I kind of draw a parallel, like in the wine world, you know, you can't call champagne legally. You can't call champagne unless it's made from a handful of different grapes in a specific region and a specific blend. It has to be eight, like, like bourbon. People are familiar with bourbon. It has to be this much corn. It has to be this, this kind of aging. There's a lot of regulation around that stuff. Um, regenerate, regenerative agriculture, permaculture, biodynamics. It's kind of a, like a philosophy or a, a practice is more than it is like a, a regulation. Um, there are some, um, folks out there that, that will certify you as like best practice permaculture, but like it only matters to people who know who that person is. Uh, so, but the, the brass tacks of it is we don't use any, um, chemical, uh, inputs in our farm. Uh, no, no chemical fertilizers, no chemical pesticides. Uh, our job as farmers is to kind of nurture the dirt. We work the, we work the soil and then the soil grows plants for us. Um, like I said earlier, our, our field is compacted clay with like giant rocks in it and all kinds of crazy stuff, golf balls from the neighbor that I really like, but he used to stand on the top of the hill and just hit dingers with his pitching wedge into the yard. So every time we like mow the lawn, there's golf balls flying everywhere. Um, <clears throat> but regenerative agriculture is basically just turning a field like that into a more harmonious piece of the earth. Uh, we employ a lot of practices like obviously compost, um, no-till. Um, we don't add those chemical fertilizers. We don't use any chemical insecticides. Um, we do a ton of companion planting. So we're trying to essentially build a little ecosystem that at the end of maybe eight or 10 seasons will be kind of a closed circuit, right? So you, you think about things like, oh, we have a snail problem in the garden. Like, well, let's get some ducks because ducks will eat a thousand snails a day each. So they'll take care of that problem. Well, now we have, there's too much, you know, duck waste in the pond. So what are we going to do there? Okay, we got to put these plants in there. So you're trying to build this closed loop where everything is taking care of itself. And you, as the farmer, just help it do what it already naturally wants to do, which is a huge departure from like, traditional agriculture today. That makes sense. So basically like what's the best way to create like a kind of a self-sustaining ecosystem around whatever you're farming. And as a result, you're improving, you know, the soil fertility, right? You're making sure that when you're creating foods that are, you know, that not every tomato that is grown, for example, is, as nutrient dense as it should be, right? So we could think that we're eating healthy, but if we're not eating from a regenerative farm, we might not be getting all the nutrients that we think we're getting from that fruit or vegetable. Is that is that also what um, what the benefits are of regenerative agriculture are as well? Most of the foodstuffs that are in the supermarket or big commercial growers they're selecting their 
varieties or the you know the hybrid strain of corn that they're growing for a specific purpose where they want to they want to get the the most yield um, of their tomato right I want to get the most tomatoes most pounds of tomatoes because I sell my stuff by the pound um, or I want to get the most quantity um, of tomatoes right um, it's like wild to think. And you, in the restaurant business, you're talking to these farmers. Where no one is selecting for taste. No one is necessarily selecting for nutritional value um, in a commercial, traditional commercial market. But farmers like us and are, are working towards those ends. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, we're not here to, we have opinions about how agriculture should be done, but we're not here to ever, you know, judge another farmer for the way that they do their thing because we're all feeding the world and we need right now in 2022 with 8 billion people on the planet we need all the agriculture that we've got to figure out how to get to the next step that's more sustainable for everybody totally makes sense and so i'll uh go to the next um kind of question that it can we're kind of naturally going toward which is so how are you using the farm folk project and NFTs to really evolve um, the traditional way that folks access CSAs or community-supported agriculture? So our business model was, like we said, a CSA. Um, when Ben came to us with this idea, one of the things that kind of really flipped on the light switch for us was when he compared it to Patreon. And um, through the sale of our NFTs, we w hope to put that money back into our community. We hope to fund the farm so that instead of doing this CSA model, we are able to work with local organizations to donate the food that we grow. Um, we have a lot of pipe dreams for, you know, what farm folk could be after a couple seasons. And um, we're in, we chose Web3 and NFTs because we saw a platform that had the potential to make a big change in the world. And you see projects that are doing that and taking advantage of that open door and during the bull market, um, everything was just crazy and it was super hard to keep up and make noise amongst all of these projects that were kind of just, you didn't really know what they were doing, what they were offering. Um, everything was so hyped up and, and there were a lot of rugs and that were, that was a lot of people's kind of hesitant to to come into this web three world um, with the way that the market did swing, you get to see, we are, we are getting to see a lot more projects that are, are here to make changes that are here for a long time that aren't here to, you know, fill a bag and then just disappear. Um, so we want to take advantage of, the opportunity to kind of get through the importance of agriculture in the upcoming generations and how 
critically important it is for this to be a piece of education. Um, and we want to take advantage of this platform, this Web3 world. The, the barrier for young farmers or, or anybody that wants to get into the, the game that we're in commercially, the biggest barrier is that most of the farmers that are growing your food don't own the land that they're farming on. And Web3, NFT, blockchain technology, um, that, that idea of Patreon on steroids has an incredible potential to take that small farmer, put them in front of thousands of people they would never otherwise meet, and, you know, that, that Patreon on steroids, and then raise the capital to buy their own farm and not have to be beholden to the bank and then commodity prices and, you know, this, that, and the other, all the other things that are so ingrained in our food chain systems. Um, we think it's a really interesting opportunity to kind of break some stuff. And we think that's cool. We like to break things and try new things here. <laughs> that's super awesome. Um, and so I think you started to talk about toward the end around how most farmers actually don't own their own land is, is that one, of, I think one of the questions people always ask is like, Hey, you know, I want to eat healthier. I want to eat fresh food. I want to eat nutrient dense food. But some folks are like, Hey, that's a lot more expensive than buying things that are packaged or ready to go, at least for a lot of people. And so why is it that, um, you know, it, that access is so difficult? Why is it so much more expensive to eat um, that, that healthy, eat those healthy items? Oh man, there's, <laughs> these are like, I'm really doing my best to try and I've, I've got so much to say right now. <laughs> um, say as much as you can. We're, we're all ears. <laughs> at the end of the, yeah, but Cap has already texted me like, okay, be careful here because you're going to just go on a rant. Um, at the end of the day, you know, small artisan boutique businesses are more expensive because we have different ways of tackling our overhead than you know, big conglomerates or, or, or big agriculture, or, you know, it doesn't cost, uh, Carhartt has a different economy for making boots than like a bespoke boot maker, you know, and, and that's just how things are. Um, and, and it's not, I don't know that it's like always true to say that like buying, you know, a red gold tomato or whatever, like a hothouse tomato in January, doesn't have appropriate nutritional value. Um, and I, we joke about this here on the farm that like there's a chicken that has escaped the coop and the, the door is closing right now and Bert just ran out there to try and rescue it and get it in the coop. Um, so she'll be back. Uh, but we joke about this on the farm is that like we, we just have some different like techniques. So when we take our heirloom tomatoes to the farmer's market, People are always like, wow, this, this is so much more delicious. It must be because, you know, it, oh, it must be because it's from a farm. And like, I met the people that grow it. Like, you can do all of those techniques in a hothouse in Chile in the middle of January. And some do, you know. Um, I think it's a little weird, personally, to eat things that are not in season where you are. Because... It just, I can't really ever wrap my head around the idea that like this tomato was grown in Chile because it's in season there. And then it was shipped over here to be packaged. And then it was back to this place. And now it's in Ohio and I bought it for 
you know, however much money I paid for it to make a caprese salad in February. Like that just feels weird to me. And I think we would be in a, we'd have a better relationship as humans with our ecosystem and with all the other biomass that exists on this planet. If we better prioritized harmony with that, with those natural systems instead of, cause the real answer to your question is like money, get that money. Um, and if, if the people that are supplying the food to the populace are more concerned or frankly only concerned with that, with that dollar, then there's not really an incentive to be concerned with like public health or nutritional value or, or the very last on the list, like, does this taste good? You know? No, totally, totally makes sense. Um, I know we're about halfway through, so I want to just let everybody know that if you have any questions for farm folks um, while they're here, make sure to either uh, come up to the stage or either you can send me a DM and I will ask your question here. Um, but want to just put that out to the audience just so that you guys can start thinking about some really good questions to ask. Um, so one of my next questions is if, you know, for example, if somebody has an organization that is focused on, you know, food insecurity or food deserts or just getting food to folks in need, how, how can they work with farm folk? Well, um, this has been one of the fun parts of Web3 for us because this time last year, we were drawing plans to increase our growing capacity by like another 40%. We're like, okay, here's how we're going to get our customers. And now we're talking about like, again, on this much more massive stage, like, well, what if somebody else is, cares about food deserts? How's that, how can they get in touch with you? Which is just awesome. And it's just a, a very clear example of what Web3 is capable of and, and why it's such a cool space to be in at this time in the, in, in the, the kind of beginning of all this kind of coming together. Uh, but the, the short answer to that question is uh, our website, farmfolknft.com, um, has uh, links to all of our socials. Um, you can contact uh, Byron at, at farmfolknft.com or Bert at farmfolknft.com or, um, you know, just send us a DM on Twitter. We, we do most of our, most of our stuff on, on this platform. When we started the project, we, neither of us had Twitter. I had a Twitter. Oh, you had a Twitter? I didn't have a Twitter. Um, I don't have a Facebook. Cooler and younger than you. You are cooler and younger than me and better looking and smarter. Um, yeah, I don't have Facebook. This is A lot of this is new to us. I'm trying to figure out Discord. We're, we're trying to figure out how to do all of the internet stuff, but uh, I, I think I'm what is referred to as a geriatric millennial. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, so, so Twitter is probably the best way to geriatric. reach us. I think it's called Elder Millennial. Elder <laughs> I'm like right on the cusp. Though. I was like March of 81. So I'm like right there at the, at the top. And, the beginning. Yeah. Too young for a Gen Xer. But yeah, you know, yeah, Twitter is probably the best way to reach us. Or you can reach out to Cap too. He's, he's really good at, uh, you know, those, those first handshakes probably better than we are because I just talk like this on and on and on. Yeah, sorry. I disappeared for a moment because one of our hens, our newer hens from the spring, couldn't find her way back into the, the chicken run. And I had to go outside and help her before the, the timer on the door shut her out. So, they, so everybody, they're really on a farm. So they're not lying when they say they're farm folk. <laughs> Sorry to leave you guys alone with him for that long. But she needs help. Amazing. You know, something, something about the chickens that nobody knows, well, very few people know, is 
the people who bought homesteader tokens at the very beginning were able to name those chickens. So there, we we got a dropped a uh, a picture of the chick with the name on it as an airdrop, and they're still running around the farm. They're causing hate and discontent. So they are truly on a farm. This is not a joke at all. Oh my god, that's so cute! I love it. <laughs> Getting to name the little chicks. Um, so I have Antonio here. Um, come on to the stage and ask your question. Excellent, excellent. Thanks so much, Kelly. And um, that was going to be one of my questions. So that problem is solved. I was going to say, um, did Britt uh, <laughs> save the hen or find the hen? So, so that question has been answered. So, so thanks for that. I think that's so, uh, so cool. As you, as you said that, my eyes kind of perked up. Like, oh my goodness, we have action on the farm already during the spaces. So, so that was really cool. Thanks for for sharing that. It adds a little more um, humanity, right? To to um, project owners, we really don't get a chance to kind of um, lift up the hood or pull back the curtain to see who's behind the the creators of NFT projects or Web three projects. And this is this is really really um, cool to see. So so thank you, Kelly, for um, you know this platform, and thank you, Byron Britt and and Captain Alchemist, the AKA Marriage Counselor, for for joining the spaces. So this is really great. Um, so, having said that, um, I am from the Midwest as well. Um, I know that, um, you know, farmers and food producers are an incredible resource uh, because you are the ones growing the food. Um, and, and I think it's safe to say that um, we might not meet farmers that don't take pride in their work. And just based on what you all have shared here thus far, is um, really encouraging and, and we can really see that you all not only take pride in it, but you're also trying to um, create an ecosystem on your farm and also give back to the community. So, so I applaud you for that. Um, so I do have uh, two other, two questions. Um, one is how did you all decide on the kinds of produce that you're gonna grow throughout the year? Um, I really would like to know that. And then my other question is, and feel free to be as biased as you want, because I know family is in the room here. Um, but what is your favorite farm food or recipe that you've grown or have, um, if you haven't grown any yet on the farm, um, I, I still am curious to kind of pick your brains and kind of know, um, what your favorite food or recipe is with, um, regarding like farming foods. Thanks so much. Excellent question. Um, like I said, this is our third season. Actually, I don't, I don't know if I said that. Um, <laughs> but this is our third season of trying to uh, heal the soil and test out what we're able to do. Um, in 2020, when I first was just kind of coming around and and seeing what Byron was working on, and I would just, you know, this was the only place that I was able to escape my house during quarantine. Um, I would pop in and see what he was working on. And he had a very experimental approach to handling what he was going to grow, which I thought was really cool. And it's been a lot of fun. We've kind of taken that method and ran with it. Um, one of the smartest things to do 
that we have found is take notes. Um, but of course, like every year is different. So we've run a lot of experiments, but sometimes it doesn't really work the same as it did last year. For example, last year, or sorry, it doesn't always work the same as it does the prior year. For example, last year we were extremely successful in growing cucumbers and we were like, awesome, we're great at growing cucumbers and tomatoes. We are, we should do this. So then we plant the cucumbers this year and we had extremely heavy pressed pest pressure from cucumber beetles. So um, one of the most valuable lessons that we have learned and something that was kind of hard for I can definitely say very hard for me to learn uh, patience with is the fact that we can't correct anything until the following year. If we're lucky, we can correct something that we did in the spring. We have an opportunity to correct it in the fall based on how the weather um, is. Uh, but so with the cucumbers, we're like, okay, we're going to have to try not growing them at all next year. Hopefully when the cucumber beetle eggs hatch, they come out of the ground, they don't have anything to eat, then they're gone. The following year, we'll be able to plant cucumbers again. So you might hear farmers talk about, it's super important to rotate your crops. We think this is probably one of the reasons why that's super important. Um, and different plants give back nutrients into the soil that other plants need. So companion planting has been a lot of our research as well. Um, but short answer is to that question is we're still kind of figuring that out and every year is different and it continues to get hotter. Um, so you kind of have different obstacles every year and you kind of just have to roll with it. Um, we've grown a lot of tomatoes. We've grown a lot of squash, um, herbs, but what we have found in the biggest piece of inf valuable information that we have found this year is that our soil responds extremely well to companion planting in excess. So a lot of times you hear companion planting, like plant some basil with your tomatoes. This year we tried one 30, 30 foot by 100 foot block with probably about 10 different kinds of plants. Well, and, it's more than that. I mean, there's well, 13 10 different, different kinds of, kinds of yeah. plants, but like within that, there's 13 different kinds of tomatoes. So to keep it on a somewhat vis visual scale, like 10 different kinds of plants and we planted all of them together and they're thriving. They're doing great. Um, some plants keep pests away. Some plants provide shade and some plants provide ground cover. They seem to be working extremely well together. So an awesome thing that we came to agree on this year is that that is something that we're going to dive into. I'll, I'll just add for that first question of yours. And also, like, thank you so much for coming out tonight and, and hitting us with some cool stuff. We love talking about this stuff. So if you ever want to catch us in the DMs or in our Discord, too, um, you know, we, we, we love talking about this. We have some resources in our Discord that answer questions like this. There's a book club in the Discord where we, everybody that's there is like, oh, I read this or whatever. We post articles, YouTube videos, stuff like that in there. Um, but I, I would just add that if, if you're, 
anyone that's thinking about getting into even just like, you know, more than growing one tomato plant on your back porch, if you're thinking about putting a garden in, there's kind of two schools of thought or two approaches when you're, when you're starting out what to do. The first one is research and learn what will, what will be successful for where you are and your, your hardiness zone and your elevation and how much sun you get and whatever. And they go, okay, well, this, I've got a perfect spot for cucumbers. Um, and you can do that and you can grow enough cucumbers uh, to take them to your farmer's market and pay your summer water park bill with that extra income or whatever. Um, the other school of thought is grow all kinds of stuff and see what works. And we're fortunate enough um, to be in a position where we, we, we kind of adopted that second one. We're like, let's just grow a ton of different stuff and see how the land responds to it, see what works here and what doesn't here. And then we can learn about, there's this idea of microclimate um, because we're in zone 6B here. And, you know, the Farmer's Almanac, and you can do just millions of different websites about what to do in Zone 6 or Zone 5, or this doesn't work there, this doesn't. And then there's some guy on Instagram that's like, hey, you're not supposed to grow lemons here, but look what I'm doing, you know. So there's no rules to any of this stuff, uh, apart from, like, plants need nitrogen and, you know, phosphorus and calcium and whatever. But you can manage all that stuff in your farm. So we took that second route and just kind of threw as much against the wall as we could. And and like Bert said, companion planting – the, the garden specifically that she's talking about from this season um, is a technique, just like the three sisters, which is a ancient native American um, Mesoamerican uh, agriculture practice where you grow uh, the first sister's corn and you put the corn in. And then once the corn is tall enough, has enough of a head start, you put some, uh, some beans in there uh, so that the beans runner beans, pole beans. So the beans have something to climb as they start to grow. Um, the beans, pull nitrogen from the air and fix it into the soil, which feeds the corn. And then you put some squash in and the squash leaves are really big uh, and they keep the soil temperature down so that the beans and the corn can go up. Um, squash is a really heavy nitrogen feeder. Uh, traditionally you use like knobby squash, like the kind of the decorative stuff that you see around, around Thanksgiving because critters that want to get out the corn don't like to walk on that stuff. And most of the squash varieties have some little spikes on the leaf stems and um, so they're, they're all working in harmony together, but we, we went a little off the deep end with that garden and there's actually seven sisters in our garden. So there's watermelon, there's other curcubits, there's squash, there's corn, um, there's sunflowers in there that, and all of those plants are all in the same biochemical harmony, but they're all bringing a little bit of something else to the table too, right? Like, okay, well, we have squash to keep the raccoons and the field mice and all the little four-legged critters from climbing the bean star, climbing the corn stalk and getting at the corn, but what about birds? Okay, so now the birds are coming for the seeds that are in the sunflowers and leaving the corn alone, right? So, and the sunflowers uh, pulling all kinds of whatever might be in our soil that we don't want there. Um, sunflower is a fantastic way to remediate your soil because it actually wants to pull up. That's why sunflower is the national flower of Ukraine. It has to do with Chernobyl. They just planted sunflowers everywhere and the sunflowers clean that radiation out of the soil. So I could probably talk about this forever. Um, but if you're trying to get started in a garden, start simple. Be like, I like tomatoes. I think I can grow tomatoes here. And just get really good at growing tomatoes and be the tomato guy. Um, if your land is suited for cucumbers, be the cucumber guy. If you hate cucumbers, be the pickle guy. Whatever you want to do. Or 
just play around and have fun with it. Um, and if you if you have more questions and want to hear me rant about this, just hit me in the DMs or or <laughs> jump in the Discord and blow me up because I'd be happy to answer it. Um, as, as far, far as, as the recipes, recipes, go, yeah. Um, we kind of just try to use everything to its full extent. So if we pull carrots and we roast carrots, we're going to take those carrot tops and make pesto. We try to use the whole plant, um, but also just keeping things extremely simple. Um, there's a, Byron mentioned the book club um, channel in our discord. There's a book that we have really enjoyed uh, by Jeremy Fox. Jeremy Fox. And the recipes in there are just extremely simple, um, light amount of cooking, because as we all know, or maybe we don't, but if you cook a vegetable to a certain extent, you're losing a lot of the nu nutrition. Um, so his recipes have, there was like, I think it was last winter, we really got to experiment with that and look at his book and kind of dive in on his recipes, but they're so simple and it's like salt, pepper, blanching and almost eating the vegetable in, in a raw form, but also flavorful. The, the cookbook is on vegetables by Jeremy Fox. Who's like a, in, in our, our nerd food nerd world, he's like a legendary chef. Um, but he, he goes, he takes a handful of vegetables and goes, here's how you should treat broccoli. Here's how you should treat this kind of squash. Here's how you should, here's how this should be. He teaches you how to, break it down from a raw piece of produce to putting it on a plate. And I think that one of the things that inhibits people from adopting a plant-based diet, which is a very important thing for humans to do uh, getting into the future is that you're like, well, I can't eat that many pastas because I don't know what else to make that's vegetarian, but this guy will help you come up with some ways to feel fun and novel and, and enjoy plants. Awesome. Thank you for the question, Antonio. Thanks, thanks for answering that. All right, we have Kilroy come up to the stage and ask your question. Uh, hello, Kelly. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for uh, for uh, having me as a as a as a uh, someone who who. who so that I can participate in this, and uh, I I am really looking forward to this. Uh, hi, fo uh, hi to the folks at uh, Farm Folk NFTs to Captain Alchemist. Uh, but by the way, uh, I'm from the Philippines, and uh, what got me interested is that uh, Philippines is uh, one of the food baskets here in uh, Asia, and uh, one of my questions is that uh, uh, how can the NFT economics uh, integrated into real life farming, and uh, and uh, how how can it be uh, sustained? Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for coming up, Kilroy. Thanks for thanks for your question. We're we're happy to meet you. Um, I mean, I think the the simplest point to make here is that um, farm folk as a 
as a as a venture, uh, a revenue generating venture for us as a business, has the potential to raise enough capital for the farm that we can sustain its well-being and its health and, and give us advantages as agriculturists that we wouldn't otherwise have uh, in the same time scale. Um, you know, we only have so much land under production. We can only sell our product for what we can get for it. Um, but because Web3 allows us to, to meet people in the Philippines who have an understanding of how this sort of stuff works and how different economies are impacted, um, if you pick up one of our NFTs, that money is going to go directly into the farm, right? So we have uh, our homesteaders that we said they're kind of sponsoring the chickens and we let them name them and we minted those little pictures. But also, um, you know, we, we the day before I went to uh, spend about $1,000 upgrading our apiary for our bees, someone bought a homesteader and it, the receipts were almost exactly the same amount of money. And so we were able to put in... Uh, a huge pollinator habitat for our for our bees that's native all native plants um and it was a wash right i mean it was like sold the homesteader for 0.24 eth and then that that holder also gets to mint four nfts from our main collection for free and it was almost as much money as it cost to put three new beehives on the farm and put a nice shade tree in front of them for our full sun field and put a massive pollinator garden of native flowering plants right there and just that is enough for me to just tell everybody that's interested in farming, if you can do what we're doing and you can get in front of people, we've got a real opportunity to fund this farm going forward that we, we wouldn't be able to do just at the farmer's market or with a little produce stand uh, at the end of our lane. You know, I mean, there's a real, there's a real shot here. We our, our original business plan. If you would have asked me that question last year when we were, when we were working on what our, our, business plan for 2022 was going to be, we've shaved four years off of our outlook by what we hope farm folk is going to be able to accomplish for us. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, I will be uh, really looking forward to your project uh, since uh, uh, part of the uh, Web3 space is about real world adoption and uh, and uh, farming is a, uh, is a, uh, very much a uh, 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 highly candidate for this uh, for this movement, and again, uh, thank you very much for for uh, for for uh, joining in this uh, in this space and uh, looking forward to your project. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kilroy. Very nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Kilroy. So we had another question um, that was sent to us. Um, so this is from hollowweb3.x. Um, the question is, any plan to partnership to partner with other farms in other countries, um, particularly top, tropical countries? So NFT farm folk have multi-utilities, utility in, at many areas. So basically, is there any plan to partner with other farms in other countries? Um, okay, so... Again, so that's a long-term goal. Yeah, that's so, something that we talk about daily. We we uh, like we said earlier, we we're new adopters to Web three. We're new adopters to social media. I mean, I am. So, but we've also been gifted so many amazing resources in the space um, that a lot of other projects like us wouldn't have the opportunity to to get in where we got in. But I think Web three, where it is right now 
um, people are so eager to help each other out. Right. And that's, that's something that like in the past, in my entrepreneurial career, you don't, you see some of it, but it's never been, I've never seen anything like this where the, the other team is like, yeah, Hey, you help me do this and I'll tweet that out for you. And let's build together. Like everybody is so eager to help each other get going. And one thing we, we we're still in a position to be trying to take things day by day. Cause this is new to us and we're building up to launching our main collection here very soon. And, um, but if we, when we have a little wine on the porch at the end of the long day, like the thing that we talk about is wouldn't it be cool if we could do exactly what the, what the questioner is asking. What if we could use, this project to incubate other small farms and what if we could sponsor their nft production what if we could connect them to artists what if we could pay their marketing team what if we could pay their develop the dev team you know what if we could introduce them to the network that we've built and now your farm in costa rica is a farm folk farm right and we've incubated you and we're going to help you onboard and, and and get moving so i think we've talked a lot about what what's next for farm folk once our project is minted out and we're super successful and you know, we're, we're, we're buying just the very best sweet potato slips we can find. Um, and maybe, you know, some new boots. Uh, what does it look like? What do we do next? What, what's the next thing for farm folk? And I think we've settled on exactly what the, what the question asker um, is bringing up is, is how do we help other farms in any part of the world do what we're trying to do now? That's that's amazing. Thank and thank you for the question. Um, Halloween, I think it's Halloween X. Um, and I so my uh, next question for you guys is, um, you know, a lot of people, including folks who are tuned in today, want to start something or start an NFT project in Web three, um, but they're you know not sure where to start. They're not sure if they have any relevant skills. What would you say to those folks? There are no, there are no rules. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a, and kind of piggybacking on the, the last answer. This is such a huge space, right? We're reaching way, way more people with this project than we would have with our original CSA model. You know, we were talking about with each other, like, oh man, we're going to have to get out there and, and talk to our friends, talk to our communities. Our friends are going to have to talk to their friends. Um, but there is no, there is no mold and it, and it kind of trips us up still, but we remind ourselves that there aren't any rules. This is so new in the grand scheme of things. You know, when you look at web two and its development and its timeline, and then you look at web three and um, you're like, we're so, we're so early in, in what could be. So I would say follow your gut, follow your passion, and um, bounce ideas off of your community. I'm big on asking our community what they want to see from us. Um, communicate with them because you want to know what they want to see from your project. So just ask them. Um, but the biggest thing I would say is that there are no rules because sometimes we'll be like, Oh, well, what's the right way to do this? And what's the right way to do this? And we have to remind ourselves that like, there isn't a, a mold to do this, right? All of the best practices that exist in, in the space of how to build and launch an NFT pro project are like a year old, right? It's sort of like, well, that's what you did. So that's what we should do. You know? So it's like, 
we're, we're all so early. So yeah, I, I, I definitely um, agree with Bert here. Just, just go for it. Ask questions, punch up. You know, we do a lot of like bothering bigger projects and be like, Hey, uh, what, do you guys think this would be cool? You know? And, and, but, but like I said earlier, like I've never experienced in, in, in my, you know, 20 years of entrepreneurial endeavors, I've never experienced a space where people are so eager to help each other out. Right. I mean, we, I come that fine dining world, like you got people making fake reservations at your restaurant on Saturday night so that like they can mess up your night and then you're booked and they, you know, they can get attract business to their own restaurant. It's not, it doesn't work like that in most of the rest of the world. So, you know, believe in your project and, and be honest about who you are and what you're, what you're up to. And you'll find your, you'll find your, your tribe. You know I mean? There's a lot of people here asking that same question. So if we're all talking about it together, we're going to figure out the answers. Awesome. And also I would love to learn or to hear more about like kind of both of your vision for the future. So where, where do you see the broader role of like, crypto, NFTs, Web3, and it's on all their impacts, you know, where would you like to see the space go? I mean, for our niche specifically, when you, when you listen to like, you know, Bitcoin maxis or like crypto maxis talk about use case and like, you know, a lot of people are always saying like, oh, NFTs solve a problem, you know, have, or an answer to a question that no one's asking or whatever. And, and, oh, well, mass adoption this and, you know, but everybody had to tighten their belts the last few months because inflation was worse than we expected it to be in the States, 8% or something like that. But there are countries in the world where inflation just like hangs out at 78%, right? And so peer-to-peer resource transactions on a, a global scale have the ability to change things for a lot of human beings. Um, you know, there's obvious barriers to that, right? Cause like it needs to work securely on a cell phone and not everybody has a cell phone in a country that's got 78% inflation year over year. There's insecurity and instability everywhere. There's a lot of bad actors in this space at the moment. But I mean, if you're talking about like the big, the, the zoom out, from our perspective, decentralizing the food chain means that your neighbors and the people in the community around you can have more rapid access to healthy food that regenerates soil health. I mean, we've got like 60, 70 years left of topsoil globally if we keep doing things the way that we're doing. And I didn't come here tonight to rant and scare anybody, but like, it's a big problem and we need to be addressing it as a human society, as a human, you know, culture. Um, and for us, WebChain, Block3, Crypto has the opportunity to sidestep a ton of the barriers that are in the way of, of you know, getting that problem solved. No, I'm glad you... Um... You know, I know you said you don't want to alarm folks, but no, that's that's good information. I think more of us need to hear. And um, the fact that you've been able to come up with a solution to address that problem is amazing. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see the future of, of what you and the farm folk are building. Um, so want to wrap this up by asking, hey, you know, is there any new alpha or something that's um, on your roadmap that you can tease today? You know, anything that's coming next? 
You broke up a little bit for us in that question. Can you repeat it? Oh, no problem. So is there any new alpha or something that's on your roadmap that you can tease today? Um, anything that's coming next? And I'll actually add one more thing. Um, would also like to ask um, in with an ask as well. So how can the audience support you? Um, okay, so. Well, our, we pinned a couple tweets to the top. Um, one is our Medium article. Um, so you can learn a bit about us there, but I think we've shared most of it. Um, there's a link to our uh, temporary discord invite in, mm -hmm. in the, the pin tweets at the top there. So obviously, you know, if, give us a follow on Twitter, give us jump in the discord and say, hi, um, take a look at the medium article. Um, one of our kind of earliest friends in the space, something that uh, he's really known for is saying retweets are free, right? People, you, you see that retweets are free. So, uh, we'd love to have anybody that's in the room tonight check out that Medium article or join the Discord and, and give us a retweet on the Medium article. And let your friends know that we're here and that we're trying to help and that you can help too. Um, as far as Alpha and things that are coming up soon, I should probably plug that uh, we minted um, 50 uh, VIP early supporter tokens um, in March. Uh those are our homesteader art. That's our PFP. There are only 50. It's unique art for the collection. Um, it entitles the holder to four free mints from our main collection, which is impending. Uh, we're, we're having lots of discussions about when to announce the date. It's very stressful. Um, but also, uh, because those are our VIP early access tokens, when we start coming up with new utility and, and special perks, and you know, we like to talk about, like, well, let's build some tiny houses and invite homesteaders to stay here for a weekend or whatever we end up coming up with, um, homesteaders are going to get first crack at that. Things like discounts in the merch store or deeper discounts or whatever it ends up being. Um, and we are currently at, I think, 12 of those left. So um, Mint is coming very, very soon. And um, if you want to get in early, we would we would love for you to pick up one of those uh, homesteaders. They're at 0.24 on our OpenSea, which you can There's find on our website. Yeah, 12 or 13 left. Um, but, you know, a quarter ETH is, is steep for a lot of people, too. So we're just as happy with one of those retweets. So you get four NFTs out of the first yeah. season. So. Yeah. And you get Bert's personal cell phone number. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She'll give you mine. Uh, we'll give you, you Cap's. We'll give, if you buy a homesteader from this room tonight, <laughs> we'll give you Cap's cell phone number. And you can become best friends with him. But, um, but yeah, so we're, we're just as happy with a retweet or a it's DM a or, you know, whatever. We just, we like to have fun. It, it, somebody mentioned earlier about, like, letting your personality show through and some authenticity or whatever. We had a, a marketing meeting right before this space um, where we were talking about like, well, hey, we, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get to the next level. And we, we admitted that we basically built everything we've got so far as far as a following and a community by like arguing with strangers on the internet about like what old timey candy tastes better, you know? So they're like, like Bert said, there's no rules. We're having a lot of fun with this and we would just mostly like for you to have fun with us. Awesome. Awesome. So make sure um, to go check out Farm Folk. Um, as um, they mentioned, there are some tweets up above shared by Captain Alchemist. So make sure to check them out and, and see how you can become part of their community. So yeah, I wanted to um, thank you guys for coming on. Um, I love your story. I love your mission. I'm big on, you know, everybody having access to quality food and, you know, being educated on, you know, what we put in our bodies at all times. It, it's something that, 
you know, I think a, a lot of us overlook, uh, but it's something that is very important for, you know, ourselves and our family. So thank you for bringing your family into the Web3 space and everybody working together to really achieve such an amazing um, mission and goal. Um, and I know there are a lot of folks here who um, are here to uh, learn also, learn from you guys, but also to um, get an unstoppable domain $50 credit. Um, so if you're listening right now, um, make sure to go ahead and screenshot your presence, your attendance here. So I'll give you everybody a second to screenshot that they are in the room right now. Make sure to do that. And then after you screenshot, please uh, DM Blue Studios Labs, which is inside of the spaces right now. So make sure to screenshot, click on the um, little gear with the uh, ring around it, um, kind of like a Saturn ring, and, so, and, and press send direct message and make sure to include that screenshot. And then we'll send you um, the updated directions on how to redeem your Unstoppable Domains credit, $50 credit for attending here today. Um, so yeah, I just want to thank Bert and Byron and Captain Alchemist for joining us tonight. Um, thank you again for sharing your story. Thank you again for doing the work. Um, I don't think everybody really knows the, the amount of work it takes to be an NFT project um, founder and just how much time, energy, money. And then in addition to running an NFT project, you guys are also farmers. So you are definitely <laughs> gluttons for punishment in terms of workload. Um, so thank you for um, you know combining both of your passions and doing that. So appreciate it. Thank you uh, so much for having us on tonight, Kelly. We were, we're excited to meet some new faces. Thank you for the familiar faces that came out to support tonight. Um, great questions. Yeah, also. great questions. Thanks for putting me to the ringer. Gaff's going to have a bunch of notes. He loves when, when Jason's <laughs> host grill, you know, hit, hit the hard ones. Um, and thank you <laughs> to the guests that asked questions. And thanks, Mom, for making me be alive. Yes, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom, for helping thank out. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for coming. Make sure to screenshot um, that you were here and DM Blue Studios Labs um, and make sure to send that screenshot um, to show your attendance. Um, again, this is NFTs for Good. We are a weekly Twitter spaces. It's all about highlighting the builders and founders in the NFT and Web3 space. We do this at least once a week. Um, now we are to this week, we're doing it twice this week. And so um on Thursday, we are having um, Christopher from No Code Clarity. We're going to be talking about No Code Solutions and Web3. Um, the following week, we actually have the founder and CEO of Taco.xyz um, to talk about basically Web3-powered loyalty programs. That's pretty fun, especially since um, recently Starbucks announced their own Web3 loyalty program. So excited to hear about more about that space in general. Um, after that, we also have uh, Women in Fitness um, as well, which is another NFT project and uh, the following week. And so we have a lot of really cool uh, folks coming up who are really building a lot of utility um, and make sure you can check, make sure to check out our upcoming shows and sign up for updates at www.bluestudios.io backslash NFTs dash four dash good. And make sure to check out our past episodes on the major podcasting platforms. Just search for NFTs for good on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon music. Um, thanks again to everybody for tuning in. 
And I hope to see everybody um, later this week and on Twitter. Thanks again. Bye, everybody.